there's people who don't have experience doing critique. So it, they do fall back onto opinion and what they like. Yes. And, and it's our job to actually start asking the right questions at that point, right? Okay, so you can, right. you can just listen and you can say, okay, just listening and acknowledging. Right. But then, want, because you don't have to do anything with what anybody says, right? And that's really the power of the designer and of being the expert. But you also then get to ask your own questions. Like, like, can you elaborate on that? Why do you think that? Because really your goal is to get to the bottom of how can this make the design better or change it? Not, um, your, your job isn't just to be the people pleaser. Yes, man, for every single person in the room. Exactly. That, that's the, that's the big key is, you know, the point and purpose behind a critique is to make the architecture better. Welcome to the Archispeak Podcast, the podcast for architects by architects, where we discuss all things about architecture. I'm Neil Pan. Each episode, Evan Troxel, Cormac Phelan, and me invite you in on the conversation as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the block more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we gather around the water cooler and talk about this profession we call architecture. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 45 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this week, we have some friends of the show to announce. Evan, who is is our friend of the show this week? We had a couple of donations this week, and I can tell you about one of them, and that is John Brown from Weymouth, Dorset, which is in the southern United Kingdom. And he teaches architectural surveying, civil engineering course, and is also the program leader for a foundation degree, listen to this, in applied architectural stonework and conservation. Awesome. Very cool. So That's uh, actually very awesome. Yeah, so John donated $25. We really appreciate it, John, and we can't wait to come visit you. Is that 25 pounds or dollars? Dollars. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> pounds is worth more. No, thank you, nice. John. <laughs> we do appreciate it. <laughs> so thanks, John, for becoming a friend of the show. And if you would like to become a friend of the show and help support the podcast and have your name either red or not, it's up to you, um, let us know on arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate, and we would appreciate it. It really helps with the podcast. Thanks, John. And then the other thing, um, just a kind of a program note, we're recording this uh, prior to the Equity by Design uh, Symposium that's taking place on Saturday, October 18th, uh, but this episode will actually air on uh, Sunday, the 19th, um, but Just want to uh, remind everybody that uh, we will be doing a special episode about the symposium with some guest uh, uh, speakers on the show and some interviews from the actual Equity by Design, which I'll be attending uh, or have attended on Saturday. So look forward to that in an upcoming episode. And, 
you know, if you're going or if you've already been, um, you know, if you've got some feedback that you would like to send us on uh, on that, uh, you know, uh, either wait for that episode or, or let us know and, and we'll include those comments uh, in the show. Hey, did you guys see that we were uh, listed as one of the eight best podcasts for architects? What? By NCARB. NCARB? How cool is that? The NCARB? The National Carb. That's right. Awesome. And uh, But the reason I bring it up is because the other podcasts out there on architecture are all worth checking out. And uh, we would be remiss if we didn't say that a lot of our friends uh, are who podcast are listed on there and some of them who podcast are not listed on there, but we think they should be. Um, so I, we, I definitely think that uh, Enix series podcast should be added to the list. Yes. Absolutely. Did you actually see that uh, NCARB today on Twitter did post that they uh, were amending their list and adding Enix to it? Nice. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. So there's other uh, podcasts on there, and I think we'll just include that link in the show notes so that everybody can check out all those other very, very good uh, architectural podcasts. Yes. So we'll throw that in the show notes. Cool. So uh, let's do a little bit of follow-up with some voicemails and comments. Cormac? Well, um, from last show, when we were talking about the uh, North uh, Carolina house... um, we got a, a voicemail and an email from George Smart, who is the executive director of North Carolina Modern Houses. And um, we haven't been able to, and when we say we, me, haven't been able to follow up with him um, only because uh, Evan and Neil have been relying on my memory to actually make the phone call to him. And uh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're busy. But, but George, I will be... Uh, I will be contacting you and we will be um, sitting down and uh, having a little chat about uh, the the house and uh, the uh, Lewis Cherry house is what we were talking about. And, um, you know, trying to get some uh, good inside information on uh, what's going on with that. Yeah, very cool. Thanks for reaching out to us, George. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Yes. So uh, um, from episode 38 uh, on interviewing... Uh, Larry Paschel from HPD Architecture and uh, also does the uh, Architecture Happy Hour podcast, too. One of our uh, um, architecture podcast uh, fellow podcasters. Uh, and if you haven't checked uh, their podcast out, you should. It's uh, good stuff, too. Um, anyway, he uh, he talked about a couple of um, items that he wanted to add to the uh to a few things that we missed and one of them, which uh, I'm kind of glad that he did was the cover letter. Um, one of his comments was, is that we totally missed the cover letter. And um, he said, some people do include them when they're uh, sending off their resume and um, some people don't. And I'm kind of glad that he pointed this out because, you know, it's kind of interesting now that we're in the, you know, this wonderful digital age world where we're sending everything through email most people think that an email is the is the substitute for a cover letter, and I'm not quite sure I agree with that. And because the cover letter is your introductory, you know, your it's your introduction of who you are, what your aspirations are. It's first impression, me, right? Yeah, to me, it, it you should never actually, you know, and this is just me. You should never have the objective 
Um, the objective should be something that should completely go away from your resume. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, <laughs> so if you have that in there, get rid of it because your cover letter is your objective in a, in the ascent in a sense, you know, we already know what your objective is. You're, you know, we're all in architecture. We're wanting a job in architecture. We want to pursue and enrich our career in architecture. However it is, it's the cover letter that's going to, you know, be the introduction of who you are, what you can do and what you want to do. Um, and, um, one of the great things about Larry's comments was, is that in, and again, let's go uh, back to the ease of the digital age. It is really easy to do research on an architecture firm. Um, you know, if they have a website, you're going to gain some insight on what they do. Um, but go one step further. Um, you know, Larry, Larry was talking about how uh, he got it. You know, he had a few uh, um, resumes come in, and clearly, the person that he was uh, reading didn't do any research on their firm, and you know, it was kind of blowing a little bit of smoke up them, and uh, completely uh, just kind of blew it. It's really easy to do a bit of research, and if you're in the area of where you want to work. Um, it's also a good idea, and this is just me throwing out my little two cents, to do a bit of, um, you know, just do a drive-by on some of their work and, you know, see what they do and, you know, experience kind of it, yeah, experience it a little bit. But, um, you know, he was, he was just talking about, you know, to me, the one thing that you shouldn't be ashamed of doing, and in fact, I encourage you guys to do it, is, um, go to their website Get their contact information. Call the firm up. Find out who you're supposed to send the resume to. You know, um, the day and age of the to whom it may concern, just stop. Well, find Don't, out who's going to be interviewing yeah, you. F- find out who the may it concern actually is <laughs> and do a personal, you know, do a personal letter to them. Um, you know, it, it'll help you stand out to the next guy who does do to whom it may concern. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that Larry put in his, uh, in his comment was that one guy he spoke to, um, was given a list by the college of architecture firms in Dallas with no other pertinent info other than names and said, good luck. And that was it. <laughs> you know, and, and that's actually, um, you know, the point that he was bringing up there was, is how, you know, the, Schools teach you how to do, uh, how to put together a portfolio. They probably teach you how to put together a resume. Maybe, maybe not on how to do a cover letter. Hopefully the cover letter class and the resume class are one and the same. But if they don't, you know, do some research on how to do a cover letter. It's but this one thing, thing called the internet. Yeah, yeah exactly. A, but one thing that almost nobody, and I know that I didn't do it and guys i'm just going to go ahead and assume that your your schools didn't do it is how do you actually go and look for a job i mean do you um do what neil used to do and open up the yellow pages and uh you know flip through each of the pages and say hmm here's a firm close by my house i'll go ahead and do that or you know now it's um you know you can do the web search on who is uh who you guys want to work for. You can do a little bit of research on, on what they do, but how do you go about actually 
deciding how to, you know, how to apply for a job. I mean, do you guys have any? Well, I just getting back to uh, the good luck thing. Um, <laughs> to me, luck is an outcome of superior effort and focused execution. There is no such thing as wow. An Dude, equal did you have that written field. down? I was going to say that was awesome. <laughs> did you have that written? You just didn't pull that out of your head, did That's, you? That's that. This is how you are going to get a job. You are going to do the work that it takes oh, to yeah, get the job. Yeah, absolutely. And so this, you need to know what other people are making. You need to know what the positions are called. You know what you need to know what the titles are. You need to know what the culture is at the firm that you're going to be uh, interviewing at. You need to see if it is in alignment with how you think things should be. I mean, you need to be a good fit for the firm, and the firm needs to be a good fit for you if you're right. going to be... Uh, working there, working your butt off there, right? So um, you want to see if they have the same values. And the only way that that's going to happen is, you know, you, you only need to give the time of day to the firms that fall within the same viewpoint that you have. If if you're going to make a big career out of this, if you are just looking for a job, then just do a ton of interviews to get all the experience. But, you know, I, I, I'm way more, try to be way more focused than that and get the exact job that you want. Well, you know, that actually goes back to last episode when we did a couple of follow-ups. Yeah, and, to and Dustin, we had, right? Yeah, where, you know, he was talking about... Um, I was you thinking know, the, the same thing. The, the millennials, and he's just like, well, you know, you know, I, I did some things that I just, you know, some types of work and stuff that I really didn't like to do. Well, in a way, that's kind of our fault, right? Because we pick the places we work. You know, understand that the job that you take is purely your choice. You can go to all of these different firms and you can get, you know, you can apply for, as Evan said, firms that fit your, your wants, your needs, your desires, you know, your lifestyle, your, um, your aspirations of what you want to do with your career. Go to all of those firms, interview with those firms, sell yourself Make them think that they have to hire you and nobody else. And then give yourself the opportunity to pick and choose. But ultimately, it's you're the one who's going to have to pick the course of your own, uh, your own course of uh, practice. Yeah. I yes. was talking about, I was talking about Dustin's uh, a comment, uh, which was on oh. the Architects Websites episode. I oh, yes. And okay. where, Sorry, where I, was, he... I was thinking the millennial one. He designed his education and, and I, this translates, I think to the workforce too. If you, you want to be intentional about, about the job you're going after, yes. you know, and, and if you see holes in your experience, you know, you could be working somewhere now and you see holes in your experience. Maybe you need to complete IDP and there's just, you're not getting the experience that you need. You, you are the one in charge of that, right? So you've got to go out and find it, or you've got to go find another place to work so that and be clear about that when you're interviewing and right, say, here's right. the experience I need. Can I get that here? You know, because if you can't, I'm sure they'd be happy to be honest with you about that. Um, and, and say, you know what, we really don't do that kind of work or, you know, hopefully you already know that by doing your research ahead of time. Well, you know, let I me, mean, Larry pointed out in his comments as well about, um, you know, students who are coming out of school with no real experience you know, just being terrified about, you know, putting together their resume. And it's just like, well, you know, how do I get a job with no experience? Well, 
firms are looking for you. Firms want you. And they already know that you don't have the experience or, you know, they wouldn't have called you. And that's okay um, because they are looking for the entry-level person. But what you should do during that interview is exactly what Evan said, is sit down and explain to them your map for what you want your career to do and how both you see yourself fitting into that roadmap and how they fit into that roadmap. Yeah, I uh, we're doing reviews right now at the firm I work with, and um, I was contributing to somebody's review, and we have a, a goals section, and we write down what our goals are for the next year. And so I had a chance to comment on this other person's goals, and it was laid out. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I need help accomplishing. And this is what I need to accomplish uh, for IDP. These are my biggest tasks. And I, th I thought, wow, very organized, really helpful. And I'm going to do everything I can to help make sure that happens. Um, and, and if you do that going into a job also and kind of setting an expectation that uh, what you want to get out of it as well, I think uh, it just it, that kind of clarity is very helpful. You know, there are going to be some places where or maybe they don't want to hear that, and maybe that's just not a place you want to work. But Exactly. <laughs> but at least you know up front. Sort of reminds me of if you're a small firm architect and you are you know, you have a business, you know, what's your business plan, right? You've you right. got to write it out. I know uh, Mark LePage right. of Entrepreneur Architect always talks about that, you know, writing up your business plan. And I think uh, that's that. That can I think go. He calls it uh, your your vision plan too. Right? Yes, he's yes. talking about your kind of like how do you want what do you want your life to look like? Right? That's right, yeah. exactly. And 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 what you're talking about, Evan, is is really no different from that. I mean, it it's very similar, I should say. But I I wanted to go back and make mention of how do you um, and we may have covered it during the episode, but maybe not. But uh, because of Larry's comment here, but I just want to add, throw in, you know, if you're trying to do your research about the firm. You know, use all the tools that are available to us today. Um, you know, go on LinkedIn, find people that say maybe work for the, uh, that firm. You may find, uh, you know, somebody you went to college with worked there. And just and take that, them out to coffee. Take them out to coffee. Go See, talk to like? them. Yeah. What's it like? If you don't know anyone at that firm, then what you might want to do is, uh, you know, go to your local uh, if you have a local AIA office or, you know, some other professional organization that they may be involved with, uh, it could it could even be something like a, you know, if they do nonprofit work, you know, go talk to people that they uh, have had as clients it is another uh, avenue. And you can go talk to them. And say, What's this firm like? What were they like to work with? Who did you work with? You know, start getting some names, then go look them up on LinkedIn. Who are they connected with, uh, you know, that you might know? And that could be, you know, you're in to, you know, oh, well, I know this person and they happen to be connected to this person at this firm. And, you know, suddenly, boom, you never know. I so think that's a great point. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's lots of tools available. It's far easier than uh, as Cormac referenced, you know, in my day when we had to use the yellow pages and the white I pages. Yeah, right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Throwing me under the bus there. <laughs> Rotary <laughs> telephone. So uh, I didn't throw you under the bus. I threw you under the carriage. Under the carriage. Oh, <laughs> man. All right. It, yeah. So anyway. Um, I, I would also mention, yeah. though, that um, I'm going to be giving a talk at 
the local architecture school here pretty soon about social media and stuff. And I, I also think that you really need to look at how you're presenting yourself because just like you're going to be researching the firm, you can guarantee they're going to be researching you. Oh, oh yeah. 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 And so what is your professional presence like and what is your non-professional presence like online? Um, because I, you know, some firms could definitely see that as a liability or they could see it as a huge advantage to them, um, depending on what you've got out there. So I I wanted to throw that out there. I'm kind of glad you actually brought that up because I remember probably about maybe two, almost three years ago, um, or however long I've been on Twitter. I mean, there was a, this one kid, um, still in school, getting ready to come out of school. Um, and, uh, you know, he was just like, oh, I'm having, you know, such a really hard time uh, trying to find a job, you know, and he just kept talking about all this stuff and he kept complaining and he was really bitching a lot online and, um, you know, voicing some pretty negative opinions and things like that. And so I, I, you know, inboxed him and I was like, you know, look, one of the things that um, could be working completely against you is your... You know, your press, your attitude, <laughs> and your pres. Well, it's more of like your presence online. You know, you've got a public uh, presence now with being on Twitter, and you're out there. You know, basically bitching and moaning about the um, the profession and this, that, and the other. This place that you're trying to break into, yet you know, here you have such a really low opinion about people who aren't hiring you. Well, they're not going to hire you if that's the opinion that they're going to see that you have. And so you need to, you almost, you need to be very conscious about what you're putting on, you know, putting out there for the world to see. And you your know, negative attitude's just going to come right back. Absolutely. If you put negativity out, you're going to get negativity back. Exactly. You know, because it's contagious <laughs> because, you know, because um, people are like, you know, you know, have their own personal opinions about, you know, what they can and can't do on social media, but understand one thing you're freely putting your own attitude out there and it's creating a, you know, a perception, um, or it's going to, it's creating your public appearance. And so if you are using your social media as a tool to get a job that, you know, personal appearance that you're creating online can either work for you or against you. So it's your choice. Matt, I would add to that that, um, you know, using Twitter or other social media avenues is also a way to get to know that firm. Oh, absolutely. Follow that firm on Twitter. If you, you know, find, follow people people that work for that firm and you'll start to, you know, over time, you know, may not take that long, but you know, I mean, you're looking for a job. If that's the a firm you're trying to investigate, uh, use those tools and uh, find find out. Yeah, set up a separate Twitter list with those firms. You know, right on, on there, and just just skim it. Everyone, you'll you'll get a real quick yeah. idea of what kinds of things they're interested, what they're putting out there, what their PR is, all that. Stuff. So I think those are a, a number of good tips for people that are you know coming out of school uh, to to learn and and do what needs to be done to kind of address the couple of things that that larry had brought up in his voice uh actually that wasn't a voicemail that was in a communication uh directly with me so we appreciate larry reaching out and 
letting us know and, and uh, hopefully he finds enough time to keep listening. So <laughs> we're so. all very busy. Yeah. Thank we, you very we much. We do Larry. appreciate, appreciate the, that comment. Yeah. And so uh, actually, you know, we had another, we did have a, a actual voicemail from Hunter Bradshaw who's a student at Louisiana tech. Hey guys, my name is Hunter Bradshaw. I'm a uh, student of architecture. I'm in my sophomore year at Louisiana tech. And uh, I had a question. Um, so during critiques, especially small critiques, sometimes the teacher, you know, whenever he's talking to anywhere from five to seven students, they might ask other students to critique another student's work. Whenever I get called on, a lot of times I feel uncomfortable. Um, so I was wondering if you guys could give some do's and don'ts for that kind of situation, things to say, things you shouldn't say, and how to approach saying them um, in order to sound professional, but at the same time get the message across. But, uh, yeah, long-time listener. I love the show. Thanks for putting in all the work. It's one of my favorites to listen to as soon as it comes out. Thanks. Bye. He brought up a couple of things that were really interesting about how to critique another student's work. Uh, He, you know, as a student, it's always kind of difficult when you might get called on to comment on your fellow classmates, you know, work. And it's like, what are some do's and don'ts, some things that, you know, you, you might want to say or shouldn't say, and maybe how you should try and sound professional, uh, and but at the same time kind of get the message across. So uh, I think uh, this was actually a topic that uh, we had had on our list for quite a while. So I really appreciate Hunter for calling in and, and bringing this up, because I think we've got a number of things to uh, to say about it. So And uh, also, Hunter, um, one of the professors at uh, La Tech is a guy that I graduated school with. So if you come across, if you haven't already had Robert Brooks, um, he's cake, man. So don't worry about it. You know, he, he's easy go. Don't mention Cormac's name, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Word of warning. <laughs> yeah, he was a real good friend of mine. And, and it, actually, if you do mention my name, um, mention it in some good light or something like that or 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 tell him that i have pictures um from school and uh we can either get an a or an f so just forget it don't mention anything but but i i I loved you know because it's something that we all we face it every day or at least we're going to continue to face it throughout our entire career and that's how to you know critique someone and how to take it or, or and, exactly, and how to take it. And, uh, you know, it's it was kind of interesting because um, it, it, it's very timely. Uh, Friday, we had kind of our um, office happy hour. And uh, we're sitting down and we were going through projects. And, um, you know, it got to me where I brought up um, the Annapolis Elementary School project, you know, telling them that, you know, we just finished it up. And we started going through photographs that we at the office had taken. And then... We just recently got a bunch of proofs from a professional photographer that the uh, contractors hired. And um, I I started talking to them about um, the quality of the photographs and how using the professional photo, you know, photographs. And we talked about this in a past episode, but how the quality of the work of the um, it's not that our photographs were bad. In fact, our photographs were actually pretty good, but there was just something about the professionals. And and again, professional, 
in uh, air quotes there. That's what they do. They're experts. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I, I started going, you know, on a little tangent about, you know, um, how we present our work and, um, the, you know, the people in the office started getting a little, they were getting a little testy and, you know, almost very, um, apprehensive about my critique on the quality of how we present our work. And I wasn't trying to bash the stuff that we were doing. Um, although I have made absolutely no, uh, you know, I've, I've made this perfectly clear to everybody that I've told. I truly believe in professional photography for our work. If we're out there marketing it, I would really love to see some good, high quality photographs. But that aside, um, you know, I was, I was telling them that it wasn't because I thought our work was bad. It was, I think that our work has got something we just need to take it to the next yeah. level. If this is what we're going to use, this is what we can do to improve it. And, you know, being a, a friend of the guy who actually took the photographs, we'd been talking about this for quite some time. And he absolutely took no offense to my critique, but other people in the office thought that I was being kind of hard on him. And it's like, oh, don't take that from him. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. These are good pictures and stuff. And it's, yes, they are good pictures, but they're not great pictures. And I want you. Yeah, can I can I read a a quote real quick here? This is this is totally yeah, it's off topic, but it fits right in with what you're saying. And this is on Seth Godin's blog today. It's called "Put a Frame Around It." And I just thought of this because you were just the way you're you're presenting this is so appropriate here. So, so the title's "Put a Frame Around It." Wrap it in a bow, serve it on ice. What's worth more, the frame or the poster? It turns out that a well framed bit of graphics is often transformed, at least in the eyes of the person engaging with it. It might be the very same beautiful object that was thumbtacked to the wall, but it sure feels different. And an unwrapped piece of jewelry is worth far less without the blue box, isn't it? The wrapper isn't everything. It might not even be the point, but it matters. How should I judge this is something we ask ourselves all the time. When you make the effort to give us a hint, we'll often take the hint. And so this is all about how proud of the work are you, right? Is it worth putting right. in the extra effort and taking it to that next level? So I just wanted to add that real quick because I thought it went right along with what you're saying. Oh, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Because, I mean, you know, even the way that we're presenting them, you know, these were taken for a um, an AIA design submission. And, um, you know, with the whole presentation, the, the photograph excuse me, the photographs that we took fit perfectly, you know, exactly what you're saying, but they, you know, um, if they're in context of the, you know, using them as marketing, they're good. They're not great. And how do we make them great? And how do we have the conversation about improving them? And so that, you know, goes into Hunter's, um, you know, topic here. How do we critique you know, what's the right way to critique? What's the wrong way to critique? You know, do you, you know, should you be too hard on them? You know, well, there's mean, also downfalls to not having your work critiqued, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a big topic. I don't know if we're going to get to it all tonight, but I mean, we may break this up into two uh, episodes because it is something that I think all of us are passionate about. And, 
you know, uh, all of the listeners can probably definitely, um, contribute to, but, um, you know, so, so let's at least, let's jump into, um, you know, something for, you know, specifically for students and specifically for Hunter when, because his, his voicemail, um, when he was, uh, talking about it, he was talking about as part of their, you know, in their studio, they're supposed to critique other students work. And nine times out of 10, here's what, you know, normally happens. And, and we've got actually a friend, um, Mark Escaro, um, from Australia that, you know, we've, you know, we talk to him all the time. I talked to him on Facebook and everything else, you know? And so he's, he's in school and he's, he always goes off on the way that the critique happens in school, because what happens is everybody goes around the room and says, Oh yeah, that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. That's perfect. Love it. It's fantastic. There's nothing, (laughs) there's nothing constructive about the criticism that actually tells them to get better. So you're saying that a second year student, um, that their work is just perfect and that there's no room, for no child left behind. Awesome. Great. Moving on. You know, I don't have to do anything. So, so don't you know there there's the fine line of giving a good critique and just being an asshole yeah. um you know and i think that that might be and where critique is not voting exactly it is it not isn't. voting at all this is this is something where to me it should be about making the project better and so even if it's a final review it's like you know i can't believe how many times i heard this right but in class whenever we gave final reviews most often I would hear, that was a good first pass. <laughs> Always, though. It just It's just because yeah. when you're in school and you're in the quarter system or the semester system, it is a really short amount of time, right? And, and it really oh, is yeah. Yeah. because in the professional world, when you are uh, working through design problem, uh, it, a first pass can you're going to go through iterations really fast. And, and the amount of work that happens in, oh, a, yeah. in a school quarter really isn't that much effort in a, in the professional setting. So it, it, I think that's where they're coming from. But, but I right. will always remember that it was a good first pass. And you're like, Oh, I just worked on this. This is my fourth one. And I've been working on this yeah. for 10 weeks straight and I've been doing I haven't this. been sleeping or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but, but really it's not that much work. So, <laughs> Well, you know, and let, let's put it in let's put it in professional context here. Um, you know, when we're doing a feasibility study for a new school or something, we'll sit down with you know a design committee that's made up of the you know um, school, the principal, the teachers, the PTA, um, some state representatives from you know the the public school system. Uh, the actual project manager from capital construction, and then, you know, the design team. And so everybody there will have an opinion about, you know, the direction of the school and what it needs and everything else. And so you, we break the, we break this up into several meetings. And at the beginning of each meeting, we'll present the, the work that we've done, or we'll present an idea of what we would like to do get feedback from everybody we'll go around the room and everybody will have an opinion or a critique on exactly what it is that they want to see and you've got basically two weeks to take you know a room maybe up to 20 people and take every one of those ideas and try to come up with multiple solutions well, on yeah. the problems or ideas you want to let them up. know so, the next time you, you see know, them that you heard them right 
And so some of yes. those things yes. maybe don't apply. And I mean, that's really kind of the nut of critique is you, you're still the decider, right? <laughs> you, and, and, right. and you're right. going to hear all the time when you're listening to critique the words, I like, or you should, um, and really that those right. are those are you know opinions and and I think that we can probably just talk about the words I like for for a few minutes here but your role is to be um the problem solver the interpreter and you're going to decide if what they're saying has any value to your project because you're the one getting paid especially in the professional setting to be the expert here and I think a lot of times right. like what Cormick's talking about in the public venue, you are getting some very, I shouldn't say, I don't know, they're untrained, right? They're, there's people who don't have experience doing critique. So it, they do fall back onto opinion and what they like. And, and yes. it's our job to actually start asking the right questions at that point. Okay, so you can, you can just right. listen and you can say, okay. And there's a great article on uh, the Mule Design website, which we'll put a link to in the show notes, that just talks about the power of saying, okay just listening and acknowledging, but then want, right. because you don't have to do anything with what anybody says, right? And that's really the power of the designer and of being the expert. But you also then get to ask your own questions, like, like, can you elaborate on that? Why do you think that? Because really your goal is to get to the bottom of how can this make the design better or change it? Not, your, your job isn't just to be the people pleaser yes man for every single person in the room exactly that that's the that's the big key is you know the point and purpose behind a critique is to make the architecture better i mean that is the you know and really that's the end all be all you've got user groups you've got student groups you've got all of these different things you know and in the case of hunter he's sitting around a room with other people um with other students trying to learn just what it is that he's getting into um, you know, and it's always trying, it's the, the key to a critique, a good critique is how are you going to enrich, you know, what you're talking about? How is, you know, not only just the conversation of, you know, rather than you're sitting around, oh, that's fine. That's pretty. That's cute. Um, you know, you're trying to bring something to the table to make their work better, or at least as Evan said, say, you know, listen and say, okay, you know, you don't always have to offer up an opinion now but it you know but you have to listen yeah and i would also add that i sorry neil i i would just like to add that a lot of people have good ideas and i kind of went through this we have a, a competition at work every year where people submit a proposal for a travel scholarship and everybody would keep their travel scholarship ideas a secret because no one wanted somebody else to steal their idea which was never going to happen okay no one was ever going to steal it. Just like in studio, everybody's doing the same project in that case, right? But no two projects ever look the same, right? And the whole power of critique is that you could have good ideas and somebody else can come along and help make it a great idea. And that's what I told everybody who was entering this competition we have at the office. And it happened. And it was so wonderful to see it happen. And it did remind us, I think, of studio. And it worked really well because... People said, well, have you thought of it this way? Or someone would come and say, I have two ideas. Help me choose. And and it was obvious, right, to the people sitting around listening. 
you have to use this idea. It's way better. And here's what you can do to make it even better than that. And then that person ended up winning the competition. And it wasn't like the people sitting around were pissed off that they that they helped that other person win. No, I mean, it. It everybody owns a piece of that success then at that point. And that's where the power of critique is something that can be extremely positive. And that's why we should always do it in these creative processes. I was going to ask the question uh, from you guys about a, a good critique uh, from a you know, from a student view or even in a professional setting uh, and possibly even, you know, from your client or, you know, not necessarily from your or to your client, but from your client, um, you know, is it instead of like, I like, cause you mentioned that I like this or I think this, <laughs> yeah. you know, what about, I mean, I hate purple. Well, I hate green. That's the, yeah. the mule design uh, reference. But, uh, um, and if you read, read that article, you'll, you'll know what that is. But, um, instead of saying, you know, the, I like maybe start off with asking a question, you know, have you thought about this or do you think such and such might make this, uh, a better a thing or, you know, and give a chance for the, the person being critiqued to necessarily respond and say, either I've thought about that and I tried that, I, I explored that, it didn't work, or that's a great idea. You know, that is making that kind of gets to your point, Evan, about making it a better project, better architecture by asking that question. The person's either going to respond, yeah, I explored that, or no, I didn't, and that may be something worth exploring. That's a yeah, critique I- without really saying that's a crappy design. Right. You should be trying to get the root idea out of the person who is giving the presentation. Right. So you can ask questions that are open ended. I think you're right, Neil. You shouldn't be asking yes or no questions. You shouldn't be telling them your opinions. You should be asking questions that draw the story or the idea out of them, because then you can say exactly. Is that based on the idea? Yes or no. If the answer is no, you might want to consider going this route instead, right? Because it seems to me like any time that the idea is based on an idea, the the project is based on the idea, it's always going to be stronger. So if you can help somebody navigate that, because we all have been through this. We all know that getting another set of eyeballs offers clarity, right? You get lost in the project. You get blinders on. You stop seeing it from 30,000 feet. You're only looking at it right there. Um, and so a lot of times it can help just to say, Hey, oh, yeah. c- can you yeah. come over here? It could just be one other person. It doesn't have to be a group. It doesn't have to be out in the open. It could be at your desk, just, you know, desk crit style and say, can you come over here? What do you think about this? And then they start to look at it and say, well, how did you do that? Why did you do that? How does it reinforce this other thing that you just talked about? And so it starts to offer clarity because the ambiguity is really, I think, what muddies down these projects. And it starts to lead to a crit that turns into a bashing, right? (laughs) I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of times, a lot of people don't really understand the purpose behind a crit. And so they go into, you know, they go into the public bashing. And what I and, would have done is exactly in, yeah. <laughs> in one, in, you know, and actually, you know, one of the things that Hunter had asked in his voice, uh, voicemail was, you know, what is a good way of having a critique? And one of them is, and we've, you know, we've touched on it quite a bit is 
rather than starting confrontational, rather than saying, you know, well, you know, I may have done it this way. Nobody really cares yeah. how you would have done it because right. it's not your project. What you should, you know, a, a good way to start. Let me not, you know, say exact. A good way to start is to kind of draw out that story. I mean, we were just talking about this, you know, ask them, well, you know, what did you, what did you mean when you did this? Or, okay, so I see that you did this, this, and this. Why? I'm just curious why you, why you did that, you know? Um, you know, you don't have to offer up an opinion. It's just like, well, I would have done it this way. Or you know, how did you just, get to that point, right? Because exactly, sometimes you know. people jump to the end and you just see the rendering, right? But right, you know. What was the process you went through to get to this point? Exactly. So we can see then if you got if you stayed on track or if you got off track. Or maybe getting off track was the best thing that could have happened, and here's why. Because it opened up this other door. So it, the, These leading questions right. that are open-ended, I think, are great ways to have a, a really positive critique. So let me ask you, Cormac, if let's say somebody does start off with a I like or I dislike or whatever, and you, you're you're heading into it, mean, we've we've all been there, uh, or, or maybe Hunter's experienced this, you know, in his critiques is somebody's, you know, immediately goes to the bashing. How do you best respond to that? Or is it, do we go back to, uh, you know, the I like green, just say, okay. <laughs> Don't you just start, just start crying. No, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> Rather, Don't you know, cry. And, Don't cry. You know, here's, here's the thing. And it, and it takes. Not that important, guys and ladies. <laughs> Life or death. Well, you know, and it's funny that you, you, you say, you know, start crying because a lot of times this is the first time in a kid's life especially, you know, when you're, you're in college, this is, you know, your first time you're away from home, you know, you spent your entire life with your mom and your dad saying, Oh, that's great. Oh, this is good. You know, with no, you know, other than, you know, whatever typical upbringing, you know, kind of critique that you have. I mean, you just have like family critique. So this is the first time that you're actually going to have, you know, critiques that are judging your work and stuff like that, that are really, you know, kind of going to get, very um, almost emotional to you and a well, lot of times you are being extremely vulnerable at this right, point exactly and you're exactly. probably emotionally and physically exhausted right oh absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely. the perfect storm and that's why critique is such good training in school yes because so, it does develop that thick skin so you in exactly you know, this is the first time that you you know you're going to continue to develop this skill and some people don't develop this skill even through their professional time because you know, I've I've met plenty of professionals, and early on in my career, I probably might have been one of them that really didn't take critique very well. You know, and so you you know, I probably would get pissy at them and say, "You mean oh, like yeah? you took it well, personal?" Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's a that's a typical thing. Yeah. So you know, one of the things is is just like, well, you know, if if they start you know kind of in on you and it gets to be that you know kind of um, you know. Uh, nagging critique and you know they're kind of just driving at you and stuff like that you know you just kind of have this little step back it's just like well guys you know look i did you know look at a lot of these different views and and i appreciate all of these comments but what i'd really like to focus in on is this you know and so kind of you you, you can guide it exactly absolutely you help drive the boat on exactly what you want to get out of your critique Kind of yeah. like what we were talking about earlier with, with doing the research into finding yeah. who you want to work for. Exactly. You, you get to steer the critique as well. I mean, you're the person up there doing the presentation. 
you are leading these people through the process that you've been through. And so if you're not getting out of it what you need to get out of the critique, you have control. Hopefully you have the guts to just say, you know what? We're at the point now where this isn't helping me. Is there anything that you can offer me to help make this better? And I think that that is one of the statements that you can make that actually garner some respect. Now, now the, the, that's it, that's an easier said than done task. Sure, totally. Because <laughs> that's why I said you see, hopefully you can get the guts to <laughs> right. Because you know, one, it it takes you know, it does take a lot of guts to actually you know stand up for yourself, especially when you're feeling very vulnerable and you know you've just been you know beaten down for like say twenty minutes or something on you know I would have done it this way or that way or whatever you know. And as you said, you know, you probably work through the night. You're tired. You're hungry. You probably haven't showered. And you're sitting here and you're pre- you know you're presenting this and you're just absolutely physically exhausted and you know you're mentally at a breaking point anyway. And here you are being you know put on the defensive of your work. Well, you have you know? to defend it right? exactly. Yeah. So then it's really that try to pull that focus in, kind of take that deep breath. You know, push down whatever, you know, bit of uh, mental breakdown that you're about to have and really just kind of refocus it on, you know, what you want to get out of it. Exactly what Evan said. Well, I would I would say, you know what, have the guts to do this. If you're in a school setting, you're paying to be there. Exactly. You have all of the control. Nobody's going to fire you. Nobody's going to, you know, send you to your desk. Uh, for standing up for that or saying like what Evan said, this, this is not helpful. Um, you know, what's next, you know, or well, do you have something else that you can add to help me make this better instead of just ripping me apart? Because that's, <laughs> you know, that the only person that's doing any good to is the person doing the ripping yeah, because they're, they're just, just standing oh, yeah. oh, up they, and beating on so their chest, more, right? Uh, more important than you. Absolutely. So it's yeah. like, you know what? You're in school. Do it. I mean, this is your time yeah. to do this because, you know, when you're in a professional setting or you're in front of the school board or the planning commission or something like that, you, you know, you can't you can't do that. Right. You need to have the experience in place when you get to that point. Absolutely. So that you do that during school. Right. 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 Because if I'll tell you, there there are presentations and critiques that go so well, you will collect business cards at the end and you will get a job out of it. Right. That's right. right. It is your chance oh, yeah, to shine. And, and I can tell you, um, this has actually happened to me. I was doing a presentation in front of about, uh, I don't know, it was 80 people or something. That essentially, there's a little sidebar. We were doing a, 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 a number of projects for residential development, and there was like four or five different developers. This was for a huge, huge project. So there was several developers they each had their own architects and and I was one of the ones that was representing this one builder and I had prepared well I did a great job you know and I basically uh you know it was a great presentation it went really well and afterwards I literally was approached by another architectural firm gave me their card uh saw me do a you know that presentation saw me do another one in front of a planning commission at, at when we were both uh at their with competing projects in front of the planning, they learned, they gave me my card. And I got a call from them. They did end up offering me a job. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't take it at the time, but I mean, 
that can happen to you. So this is your time to practice. If you're in school, like Hunter is now, this is your time to practice those skills. And that's the way to really look at this. This is not only you practicing your architecture skills, you're learning, you're designing, you know, you're doing, you're presenting your projects, but this is your chance to uh, learn how to take criticism, how to handle that, and then how to respond so view it in that way. Try not to look at your crit as, you know, as this personal attack on your design abilities. No, take it as the opportunity to learn. Everything you do in school is a learning process to help you build the skills that you will eventually use in in the profession. And that's what that's the way you should try and view it, I think. I it's certainly not the way I viewed it when I was in school. But I yeah, should I have, either. right? Yeah, no, I absolutely. should have. Now, now looking back, I can say that. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. That's why you're listening, hopefully. And well, and I think we want to take it beyond school, too, because, uh, you know, especially uh, this isn't too difficult to pull off in, a, in an office, right? There are other architects and creative people working in the firm, and there's people of all different places within the the you know, where they are in their career. But what if you're a sole proprietor? Okay. So I don't know anyone here who's a sole proprietor, but if there were <clears> one <throat> out of the three of us, oh, wait. maybe, they, maybe <laughs> they could speak up. How does critique work in your world, Neil? And because I think we're, we're in a time where it's actually easier than ever. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, there's, there's critique from your clients and then there's, there's also, what what's make this difficult? And I think we've talked a long time ago, probably about this on the podcast, but um, in, a, in a very early episode. But uh, I use a lot of social media. I mean, over time, I've built up a lot of people that I would consider friends, and uh, as if I had like gone to school or used to work with them, sort of thing. But people I've never met, and yet uh, I've posted, you know, pictures of designs or images of designs that, that I'm working on and, and basically just threw it out there. It's like, what well, you know, what do people think? And if, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder then because, you know, in 140 characters, you can only say so much. Um, and it's hard to really explain what's, what the thinking is behind things. Um, but, but it can be a way to, engaged because as a sole proprietor, I don't have that person working next to me that I can go, Hey, what do you, what do you think of this idea? Um, I I posted some details that I had sketched onto Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, those were awesome, by the way, it's, it's a great place to get feedback. Right. So one of my, one of my friends on there says, great example of a thermal bridge detail, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, and I, I had never even considered that when I drew it. Right. And right. so this was a critique of the guy being a total jerk. But uh, no, he he pointed out a very important thing that I had not considered. And that probably wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have posted it there. And so I think it is an example of critique can happen anywhere. It doesn't have to happen in person. It can happen online. It could happen over, over Skype. It could be uh, you know, a go-to meeting. It could be a Google Hangout. It could. There's so many ways to facilitate the the critique nowadays that people who are off practicing by themselves, like I said, critique is so important because it makes the project better. You get the, another set of eyes on the project. Uh, you're going to get somebody else's experience and uh, you know just their background 
they're going to see something that you have not seen. And, and again, I think, you know, this is a whole other topic, but the diversity of the people you invite to your critique is very important yes. um, be, because you are going to get such a, a wide range of experience then. Um, and that's only going to help you. And so, you know, Neil, I know you've done this. I know Cormac, you post stuff on there too. And we have a bunch of friends who post a bunch of cool stuff on, on, and, and everybody kind of just, it's an open platform and and we all want to help each other out and so it's it's a great way to share and i think it is very powerful for people who feel like they don't have a team of people there to back them up but this is a way to accomplish that and you're right i think that you know as a sole practitioner um me not being that one but you know there are tools out there for sole practitioners um i mean we belong to a google group uh you know, that is a collection of small firms, you know, and uh, sole practitioners. And it, that very, the very existence of that group is to, you know, basically have the conversation to enrich each other's work, their practice and everything else. And that's kind of the point behind it all. I mean, you, you, you've said it, I've said it, Neil said it. I mean, the whole point of a critique is to improve the architecture, you know, so when you posted the, um, you know, those details, I mean, I remember I mean, they were, you know, you know, wonderful sketches and stuff. And, you know, it was at a time when we were talking about, you know, hand drawing and stuff like that architecture. Um, but this one guy points out, you know, about, um, thermal bridging and stuff and you're like, Oh yeah. And, you know, so do you go back and you start looking at, you know, better ways of thermal bridging and stuff like that? Probably you know, to make it better. Right. Um, but that, and that's kind of the point is, you know, um, you know, like in a bigger firm, you know, everybody is working towards the firm succeeding, you know, so not necessarily the small firm or the sole practitioner has that, that avenue to kind of help, you know, lean on somebody. So these groups and stuff like that, the Google Hangouts and everything else that Evan just mentioned, are these avenues of having that dialogue and that conversation. I mean, I remember when I was practicing on my own and um, did a project and it was received very well, both by the client and, you know, the architectural community. I mean, I got, you know, recognized and, and things like that. But when the economy started to turn, you know, and I needed to go work for somebody else, I showed that project as an example and the guy who was interviewing me was like well you know did you consider this or that on this particular project i'm looking at it and i'm like you know i kind of wish you were here two years ago when i was sitting down there because you know that would have made this project so much better if i would have done that or that you know i mean he wasn't he wasn't bashing it he was just offering up you know a critique on what he saw of what could have made this that much better kind of thing you know and and i wasn't offended you know by the you know by him approaching me just for all of this one, I was, I liked the fact that he was open for dialogue, um, in that I felt like this was a comfortable place to work because that's what we would be doing is we would be talking about architecture, you know, and that's what you want out of a firm is, you know, to have the conversations that, you know, we have on the you know podcast all the time is how are we making, you know, the story better? How are we making the architecture better? Um, so, so look for those. I mean, the avenues are out there. 
Well, I think that that's a good way. I mean, we should we should really turn this back out to our listeners at this point and say uh, if they've got any recommendations uh, of either methods or things they like to you know do as far as making you know making or taking critiques and and let's get some uh, feedback from our listeners either uh through the uh the the voicemail uh which is uh and i'll throw that number out since we haven't talked about it yet uh, and we've been getting more calls so we really appreciate that so that number uh give us a call at 415-484-8496 and you know if you've got some uh, great advice uh, we can include it in in a future show um, you know, or leave, uh, leave some comments on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com. Yep. Each episode has a whole comment section and, uh, you could do it on Facebook as well, or you can talk to us on Twitter. And I know we have a couple of, at least a couple, uh, professors out there in architecture who probably could weigh in on critiques that they've run in their classes. Oh, that'd be awesome. Probably give some pretty good advice. So hopefully those people are, are listening and they can chime in as well. And Hunter, I'll uh, do a personal shout out to uh, uh, Professor Robert Brooks and have him, um, you know, give you some personal critiques. <laughs> Since he's right down the hall from you. Excellent. Hey, one one last thing here uh, before we wrap up and say goodnight. Um, just a little, another last follow up. Uh, we currently have, as I look at our iTunes ratings, forty nine. And our friend over at the Entrepreneur Architect uh, podcast has 53. So uh, we're still behind. We, we need some more reviews, people. And uh, I know that Mark's goal is to get to 100 reviews by the end of the year. And so if anybody who hasn't listened to the Entrepreneur Architect podcast should definitely get over there. Mark's podcast is a huge resource for anybody running a firm in architecture or thinking about it. Um, even if you're not running your own firm, I'd highly recommend listening to his podcast and leave him a review. He he really wants to hit that goal, and I think we can help him make that happen. And if you want to leave a review for us, we would appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that, uh, please uh, give us a call or leave some uh, comments on the on the website or on Facebook, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Good night. See you guys.
Yeah.